Percy, are cancer patients often overwhelmed with medical language of their disease? Absolutely, Wayne. And in many cases, patients are not even actually digesting much information after hearing the word cancer itself, mm-hmm. yeah. let alone comprehending large technical medical terms. They often need time and help with this portion of their journey. Let's talk about it today. All right, coming up shortly is someone who experienced just that, but eventually found her footing and is now intentionally choosing to journey with joy through her cancer. The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. How complicated was it understanding your cancer diagnosis, and what did you do to help your comprehension? This is Health, Hope, and Inspiration. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Percy, that question I just asked is the one we really do want our listeners to respond to. We absolutely do. It's in the context of the conversation for today, and quite frankly, Many cancer patients experience that dynamic, and so we want to kind of put that out there and get people to react to it today. Why don't you repeat the question then? Well, with that, the question on the table is this. How complicated was it understanding your cancer diagnosis, and what did you do to help with your comprehension? Many people say many different things. They read things. They go on the Internet, et cetera, et cetera. What did you do? How complicated was it? in understanding your cancer diagnosis and what specifically did you do to help your comprehension of that information. A lot of so-called jargon here sometimes, isn't there? So uh, we're (laughs) going to cut through that here today. All right. That question can be answered at our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on connect and you'll have an opportunity there to answer. And we really do want to hear from you, healthhopeandinspiration.com. And while you're there, why don't you go ahead and download our free resource, Cancer 101. More about that later. Percy, tell us about who we're going to talk with today. Well, we're going to talk to an educator. Uh, She's an elementary Spanish teacher and uh, full of energy and life. And she is going to help us understand how she came to terms with and is coming to terms with her treatment of cancer. Uh, In some cases, good days, some cases, bad days, good news, bad news. And what she intentionally chose to do, her intentionality and working through the highs and low and the ebb and flow of being a cancer patient. We'll meet Melinda here in just a few moments. If you are concerned that you or someone you love may have cancer, consider reaching out to Cancer Treatment Centers of America for personalized diagnostic services. Cancer Treatment Centers of America is a national oncology network of hospitals and outpatient care centers that treats the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com and click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America, or contact a member of the team with questions about your diagnostic and treatment options. The number, 866-712-HOPE. That's 866-712-HOPE. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses a patient-centered approach and a wide range of technologies and techniques to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. And you can learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Well, let's get right into our guest conversation with Percy McRae now on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. 
Well, I am excited as always. Today we have uh, another person that I think that uh, will bless you to hear from. Uh, we have with us Melinda Woods, who just finished active treatment for a rare form of sarcoma, and she'll uh, unpack a little bit of that with us as we get into the show. Uh, treated at Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She is an elementary Spanish uh, school teacher. So again, uh, I love talking to educators. My mom is an educator, and so I'm sure she'll bless us with all kind of great stories around her vocation and probably some of her children. Uh, welcome to the show, Melinda. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Woo-hoo. Yeah, woohoo is right. Well, based upon the introduction, uh, you're here because you're, you're a cancer patient. You've been down the cancer uh, road and journey. Uh, you've just finished your active uh, therapy and treatment. You're no longer receiving that at this particular time. I always ask uh, everyone this question to begin, uh, and that is this. Uh, do you recall where you were and and how you felt the day that you first were told that you have cancer? Absolutely. Um, I was with a very special surrogate mom of mine who had taken me to an appointment and I had um, had a hysterectomy after 90 some days of bleeding and intense things going on at the beginning of the school year 2019. Okay. I had taught maybe a week and I knew something was wrong because I was in my chair teaching mm. and I'm one of these up and at bouncing, singing, dancing, and I'm teaching Spanish through head, shoulders, knees and toes. Yeah. And one of my new students says, does she walk? And then I realized I must go to, to the doctor right away. Okay. And I did. And um, it was my mother's birthday. <laughs> it was the day that I actually was told. And wow. I was with a surrogate mom because my mom was back in the mountains of southwestern Virginia and I'm in Richmond. So um, it was my mother's birthday when the confirmation was told. Okay. Now, the, se- the surgery was September 24th. So it was very ironic. They didn't want to say anything because... It was rare and they were trying to put it into words and they didn't want him to speak. Um, so they were really being gentle and cautious and, oh, just come back next week. Okay. Oh, just come back next week. Oh, just come back next week. Hmm. And so then when they told me, I realized it was my mother's birthday. I took a deep breath and I took down the information. I really didn't process it at all. Uh-huh. I remember thinking, okay, something we got to do. Got to do this and we'll get through it. Yeah. That was my first thought. Um, so as that initial thought, um, I, what I did not hear, and that does not mean that you did not experience this on some level, I did not hear um, some of the typical things that people will say, shock, unbelief, anger, fear. Um, I didn't hear any of that from you. So when you were initially told, sounds like that you processed that, you know, if I can say it this way, fairly well, considering the information and considering the health journey that you were you were currently on at the moment after just finishing uh, having some major surgery. Well, this is true, but there's the other part, too. It was so intellectualized. So it wasn't that there wasn't fear present, but I was so actively trying to figure out what was told to me. By working in the elementary schools, I really didn't hear six, seven syllable words. Okay. And so I was trying to write down everything I could so that I could go back and Google it because it was clear that we were 
you know, we were going fast and I was just taking notes and I look back on my notes today and I wrote two and a half pages of notes on what was said to me that first day. So I was trying to make sense of Mm -hmm. what happened. And so lots of ladies have a hysterectomy. And so then it went where, and I was trying to figure out, you know, the nodules and how it got from my womb to my lungs. And I was, it was, it was, um, puzzling to me. Okay. So I wasn't, I wasn't not feeling those. I was trying to actually hear what he said. And then I knew later that I could process all that. And so as you transition, you know, through that and, and being an educator, it also makes sense that, you know, you, you intellectualized, as you said, formatting thought and, uh, and understanding and insight around your disease and around your diagnosis when you transitioned from that and away from that, I would imagine at some point then you had to have a conversation with family or friends and loved ones. Let's talk about uh, the day that you had to tell uh, those in your camp uh, that you had cancer and how did that go? Um, I started with my big brother and he had just overcome prostate prostate cancer and he is to this day cancer free. Good, praise God. So he was just a few months before me summer of 2019 he was in treatment every single day radiation every single day for nine weeks and so he understood and he knew and his comments were very very important to me and his comments were i just came out you're coming out Uh and i said that sounds good to me let's (laughs) stick with that yeah big brother came out little sister's coming out everybody's coming out so that's the way we're sticking with it and it is well past his year, and he is doing just great. Oh, and I told him, and I was doing great. And then I went to the next one. And then they, oh my goodness, how are you? And then they were like, oh no. And then they were like, oh my goodness, dust it down. Do you want to talk? What do you need? And then their reaction kind of brought it a little bit closer to the natural side of life. Like, okay, this really did occur. So the words, you know, da, 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 da and all those syllables broke down to there was a cancer diagnosis in this body. And so the second person, you know, a girlfriend was just, she was torn up Mm. and I was asking her, was she going to be okay? Yeah. And I let her know that I was going to be okay. And she kept coming back. Are you okay? The next week, are you okay? Are you okay? And I really was okay. I was working the plan and going through it. Um, it still was weird for me, kind of out of, kind of out of body, a little bit like, hmm, the opposite of someone telling me that I won the publisher's clearinghouse. Huh. It's like, hmm, or some other kind of sweepstakes, or a trip here, or a trip there. Yeah. And I had that experience in tenth grade. I won a trip to Norway and Denmark. Okay. And I remember the feeling of I'm going to Northern Europe. I'm 16. I'm going to Northern Europe. Mm-hmm. I'm 16 years old. I haven't been to. I haven't been to Boston. <laughs> I'm going to. I haven't been to New York. I'm going through New York yeah. to Northern Europe, Norway, Denmark, Copenhagen. So I felt a little bit like that. And so then, as a Spanish student way back then, I was saying, "Oh boy, I better learn some Danish. I better learn some Swedish. I better. Oh, Germany is nearby." I better get all the countries, get the dialects, all that growing. Okay. And then I got, I got there and I got to 
Copenhagen. And I said my best Danish sentence. And the girl said, oh, we speak English here. <laughs> and I said, oh. So just the same way, using that parallel, I was doing the same thing. I was getting the lingo. I'm like, oh, my, oh, sorry, what? And then I was getting this is rare and where it goes. And I was doing my research and I was just in the flow. And so other people were experiencing that, but it really didn't hit me. Okay. Nothing of that sort hit me initially. Now, once the chemotherapy started and I started to feel not bouncing and behaving, mm -hmm. that was good. But there was a good, there was another part to it that made it not as terrible as maybe for most. I entered bleeding so heavily that I needed blood transfusions. Okay. So if it weren't for the original surgery, I could have bled out and I could have been gone Okay. in September. In fact, one of the things I tell people is if I had been in some third world countries that I've had the opportunity to serve through missions, mm -hmm. if I were in some of those um, in the bush or either, you know, in some very remote area without medical access, September, early October would have been my last. I would have bled to the point where I was no more okay. because the clotting was getting so without being too graphic, it was getting to be beyond heavy and alarming. Okay. Because I was resisting the surgery, thinking it might clear up. This is just the longest cycle that I've ever had in my life. But it was it was at one point that I realized I wasn't able to walk without nurse assist, nurses assistance okay. in the hospital that I realized that, oh, saving my life. Let's see my womb or my life. Okay, I'll pick my life for a 200. Yeah, yeah. And then that was the moment. So hearing the diagnosis, I was alive to take the notes. Okay. Because I was surely not going to be in this world if they didn't have a way to take care of what they saw and remove. Okay. And, and the good news is, obviously, sitting here today... You worked through that and beyond that, obviously, uh, with regard to the analogy that you made due to good medical care and treatment. And then, dare I say, because uh, you alluded to it being a woman of faith, a person of faith, uh, your faith also somehow here in the mix uh, helped buoy and empower you to work through those dark days, those challenging moments, as you stated that, you know, at some point, it could have been perceived that this could be your last. This may be the last go round, but it wasn't. And so here you are on the other side of that. Uh, and I'm curious, if you don't mind, Melinda, as a uh, educator, as a teacher, how has that experience now from the start to the middle and as of today, you are now no longer receiving active treatment and in a relatively short period of time from a cancer journey perspective, I might add, how are you a different person or a different educator today has cancer changed or impacted you in any way that makes you different than you were prior to that experience um i usually start from the inside out but i'll start from the outside because my locks were shoulder length okay and you know as an african-american woman with thick shoulder length locks sometimes it's down sometimes it's in a ponytail sometimes it's wavy sometimes tiny curls sometimes little curls those little conversations with my students over the past, you know, years have been a part of kind of the conversation. So Black Friday, 
when my hair came out in clumps and I was bald, that was one of those moments yeah. where I had to know who I am. And that was just one of those, I can't even tell you. Um, I did call for the chaplain okay. of the, I called for the chaplain of the hospital to come in. Um, I called upon, you know, people of faith that evening. I, um, you know, I cried it out. Um, it was something that was, I didn't even know I was attached to. So it had affected me that way, but I was actually in the hospital with swollen legs and I was in there with, um, they were checking for um, blood clots uh-huh. and, you know, my legs were swollen and my hair was coming out. And so it was Thanksgiving too. And all of my friends showed up with all these wonderful treats and everything. So that was amazing. Awesome. Um, I will say that that was a moment. Um, how did that make me different? Coming out on the other side, having a little baby fro now and little baby curls starting to blossom. Um, one day this spring, I looked up and I had eyebrows. <laughs> and I was with my family in the mountains and my brother's wife said, baby girl, you got eyebrows. And I ran in and it was like Christmas morning. And I saw the eyebrows and I'm like, I got them. Yeah, Yay. yeah, yeah. So there were some outside things that were there. But then my the swelling on my legs went down. You know, I had been up to Philadelphia and been you know treated so wonderfully, you know, in so many ways. There's even a piano up there and I'm a pianist. And sometimes I would sit down to Bach or Beethoven, a little number between sessions. And that would lift my spirits a lot or sure. him or something that I played and, um, that was a blessing. Um, I think you had mentioned to me also before we had recorded, uh, as, it, as you were saying, that one of the best hamburgers that you ever had eaten, you, you had received there at the hospital. <laughs> the, 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 no, 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 no. The, the, the quintessential Beyond Burger. Let's see. There was a whole lot of chefs, but my brother's name is David. So I remember Chef Dave. Okay. Chef David. And he made the best Beyond Burger but not just that, um, I was eating and I still am eating um, a lot of vegetarian and vegan items. So I would go to the Safeway and the hotel shuttle would take me and I would bring my just egg, vegan egg. Mm-hmm. And he would put that on the grill, put it back in a container. I would have it between meals. So it was a nice, smooth transition. But that wasn't it. It was it was the nutritionist, Zach, that was talking to them uh-huh. and coordinating. Okay. And then they had me advocate for myself to talk to the hotel. Yeah. So I got more green vegetables. And then they reminded me that I can get the smoothies. Yeah. So Ricardo. So it was like a team. It was like a village putting together what I needed. And I could see. Yeah. He was, you know, it's holding up. Yeah. It's yeah. getting better. And I could feel us riding this train to victory. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's working. The whole team is working. The doctors are talking. The nutritionists are talking. And then the massages. And then, oh, my goodness, the acupuncture. Oh, my goodness. Great. Well, it sounds like, and, and again, I think the, the highlight of the comment here that you're making, again, is being surrounded. Uh, you were surrounded by a team, uh, integrative team that basically focused on your whole person, your mind, your emotions, uh, your obviously your physical well-being, your spiritual well-being. And it brings me to the point that I think that I'll extrapolate from how you went from the very beginning of your process, starting out and then enduring some pretty difficult times, had had tough surgery, uh, some of the other things that you explained that today, looking and listening to you, you know, you were well cared for, but you were surrounded with individuals 
that that incorporated all of the things that were important to you and that you valued and that that you needed. And I think that there's something to be said about understanding uh, that dynamic that that was part of your assistance of of recovery and health, healing and wellness. And obviously the, the, the prayers of the saints and the faith of God working in you. And today, you know, you're here to, to tell a very different story than how you started. And certainly in the midst of the journey that you've traveled, what would you say uh, that being said, because we're out of time and uh, man, I could talk to you all day. I really could. What would you say to this point would be a aha moment that you learned from this journey that you now take with you? That as you move forward, you're an educator, you have traveled the world, uh, you've done some amazing things with your life. What is an aha moment that you learned from this journey and you're still walking it to a certain extent that you now carry with you? You know, I heard this coming from my um, my co-pastor, um, the wife of uh, my um, pastor and bishop. And it was the words, being intentional. Ah, I like it. Um, so I can choose whether I have a little self-critic saying, oh my goodness, your hair is out. I don't know if you look that great. And I can take that inner critic and be intentional about that. Sure. And I can say, oh no, I'm God's daughter. Mm. Mm. What I have is greater than what's on my head. Yeah. Yeah. What I have goes deeper than my locks. What I have is the son of God and he rocks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's it, the intentionality and knowing I can choose to have joy. Um, waking up in the hospital on Thanksgiving morning, I can choose to have joy. Yeah, yeah. Now, I did have a superstar nurse that came in and brought me. She was from southwestern Virginia. She brought me some pole beans from southwestern Virginia. And our goal, my goal was to wait to open the jar the following Thanksgiving. And I still have it here. It's on the shelf. I'm looking at it right now. But she helped to make it that. But I had to decide. Oh, this is a beautiful view. That's a beautiful tree. God made that tree. His splendor. Mm, Psalms 19. That's yeah. nice. Look well, at the leaves. Yeah, Wait. Yeah. They upgraded me to a room where all I have is leaves. I'm like, I could look at that and have a good Thanksgiving. I said, why don't we do that? Let's be intentional about it. Let's let that self-critic go down. Let's not be weary and just just think, oh, me. Right. And let's just let's just shut down that noise and be intentional. Let's whatever things that are good, whatever things that are just. How about let's think about something good? Think on something good. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I hear with that, and that's the, you know what's powerful about this, and it's a statement that we use uh, in the uh, environment and the culture of CTCA for years is uh, we call it patient empowerment medicine, and it's a phraseology of basically what you've just said is is creating an environment and an atmosphere that then allows a patient to then intentionally decide who they are, what they are, and how they choose to be, uh, that then you speak into your existence, you speak around you, you speak over you, and that and that is very empowering because you're no longer operating as a victim at this point. You're operating as a victor. You're choosing to be victorious. You're choosing to move forward. You're choosing to see your scenario and situation that you know what, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me that changes the dynamic of the experience greatly. And so uh, I thank you for, for the intentionality uh, when that dialed in and when that clicked into your head that you made a decision that I'm going to look at this from a very different perspective. 
in, in closing, what is it that gives you hope or drives your hope today? After all that you've been through, all that you've experienced, what keeps you hopeful now? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Not my locks and not none of that. All other ground is sinking sand. That gives me hope. So how is that manifest on a daily basis for me? It's the child that comes back and says, Miss Woods, I had you 20 years ago, and now I'm speaking Spanish at the bank, and I'm a bilingual teller. Mm. Um, what gives me hope is I have the ability to create a legacy and to continue that joy and yeah. pass it on. What gives me hope is the, the fact that I have breath. I can praise God. The, it gives me hope to look up, knowing that there's something greater than all of us that created us. And the hope that I have is that he's got it. He's got me. I've heard some reports that were great. I've heard some that were not so great. Mm. At the end of the day, it gives me hope to know he's got me. He's got, Literally, he's got the whole world in his hands. You hear the children's choir coming out. Yeah. He does. He's got the whole world in his hands. And he's not tired. He's not asleep. He's strong and mighty. Yeah. So I can rest in him. Today, you have heard from Melinda Woods. Uh who is just finishing up her active treatment of a, a rare form of sarcoma, uh, originally diagnosed October 2019, treated at Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Philadelphia, who just helped us and educated us. Of course she did. That's what she does. That's who she is around being intentional uh, with who we are and choosing to be what God says that we are today. I salute you. I take and tip my cap to you. And I declare that the best is still yet to come in your life as you continue uh, to build and leave the legacy of love, of hope, and enjoy everywhere that you go. Bless you, my dear. Thank you for your time. And thank you for sharing with us today on Health, thank Hope, you. and Inspiration. Thank you. To God be the glory. He knows our story. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Take it easy. Right. Bye-bye. I like that. To God be the glory. He knows our story. Thank you, mm. Melinda. And thank you, Percy, for bringing that conversation to us, pre-recorded here today on Health, Hope, and Inspiration. We'll talk more about it in just a few moments, but I want to go back to our question. And I want to emphasize that we really do read the answers to these questions we pose in the program. We may not be able to share many on the program here, but we certainly read through them and learn from them. And it helps shape future conversations. So we'll get to one of those uh, recent questions in a moment. But here's this week's question. How complicated was it understanding your cancer diagnosis? And what did you do to help that comprehension? Go to healthhopeandinspiration.com to answer. Now, Percy, back me up here. You read all these the answers, right? I do. I absolutely do. And so with that, we have a response to some previous questions that was asked on one of the shows. And uh, one of those questions were, what was something you learned during your cancer journey? And this response came from Mobile, Alabama. Even though I am a follower of Jesus the Christ, while going through cancer, God has been real and so close when needed. Driving to and from Cancer Treatment Centers of America in Georgia and Mobile, uh, I, I am still amazed at his goodness. My mind is too small to take it all in mm -hmm. of what God is to us. His loving kindness endures forever. 
praise God. I thank God for this program. And we thank you for listening. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah. you very much. And Appreciate so many that. people are listening now, and it just it just is so gratifying to know that uh, in some way we're helping people along their cancer journey and those who care for those on a cancer journey. So anytime you want to listen, that's the beauty of the podcast. You can listen at your convenience. You don't have to wait for it to come on the radio. You can... That's- Click a few That's buttons correct. and there it is, huh? Yeah, so. you can just download it. You can listen to pieces of it, you know, and you can listen later. Uh, you can forward it to others. You can put it on your social media platforms. There's many different ways to consume uh, the product of Health, Hope, and Inspiration, and we're grateful for that. And here's another tool in addition to our podcast, the Cancer Center for Alexa Skill, a voice-activated question and answer tool empowering users to ask Alexa questions they may have about cancer or services available at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Now get this, the skill can answer over 800 questions on more than 40 different cancer types, symptoms, risk factors, and treatment options. To access this, you or anyone you support can simply say, Alexa, enable Cancer Center to any Amazon device. You can also access the tool on any smartphone by downloading the Alexa app. What a great idea. Mm. All right. We met Melinda Woods on the program today, and um, we learned a lot from Melinda. We did. Well, Melinda is, again, an elementary Spanish school teacher. Uh, and so with that, you know, she's she's all about language and, and so on and so forth. And one of the challenging dynamics that she experienced from a communications perspective is that when she initially uh, was given her diagnosis, that she was trying to really uh, wrap her mind around some of the large terminology and language or the jargon of cancer, as you stated earlier, and that she had to really be focused and she had to write down information she had to go do some Google search to kind of really comprehend that. And the point that I think uh, the takeaway here is the fact that cancer patients uh, in many cases are struggling when they're initially having that conversation sure. around clinical language. Yeah. And sometimes you can, they get bogged down because they don't quite comprehend everything that's being said to them. Well, as you said earlier, <laughs> they don't hear much past the word cancer. I mean, who anybody would have that experience. Well, that's the that's the emotional dynamic of it. That in and of itself, it's sort of like the episode on Charlie Brown where with the school teacher and all you're hearing is wom, wah, wom, wom, wom. You know, you, you're told that you have cancer, man. You know, you, you check out for a minute, you know, yep. or so. Yep. And then let alone trying to comprehend and digest very large clinical and technical terminology that's not part of your everyday vocabulary. Uh, I think even as a Spanish school teacher, she just she was trying to really wrap her head around the language, if you will, of that conversation. And it took her a while to really come to terms with that, even as she realized on that day uh, when she received that news, it was her mom's birthday. So she had all of those different uh, wow. components running around in her head that, you know, would stifle comprehension on sure. a normal day, if you will. Sure, indeed. Well, I just appreciated her faith. Melinda talked about her hope on nothing less than Christ the solid rock. So, Well, her intentionality, as she said, because she said there were days that she's gotten good reports. There were days that she's gotten bad reports as she's still at that time of the recording was still actively treating. But her conscious decision of intentionality and knowing that she could choose to have joy, she said, it gives me hope to look up knowing that there is something greater than all of us that created us that she has chosen. And so then she went into and almost broke off into song of Christ, the solid rock Mm -hmm. that she stands. Mm -hmm. And so to reaffirm 
Uh, and I think it's a it's a huge takeaway. At the end of the day, uh, Wayne, we have choices that we can make. We can choose to be joyful or we can choose not to be joyful, but we won't get into joy accidentally. There's some element and effort that we'll have to make. And part of the exercise is using the word of God to get us to a place of understanding that we can be joyful in the midst of difficult circumstances. And in this particular case, this is a woman who intentionally chose to have joy in the midst of having cancer. You know, to help with this problem of uh, understanding cancer and the terminology that's often thrown at us, you've put together a resource called Cancer 101. I want our listeners to go to our website, healthhopeandinspiration.com, and download this free of charge. You can download several copies if you want and share it with other people, or uh, you can even email it to other people if you'd like. Cancer 101, available at healthhopeandinspiration.com. You shared some scripture earlier. Can we go back to that? Yes, sir. So again, we go back to our scripture, Habakkuk, third chapter, verses 17 through 19. Our spiritual nugget is extrapolated from it, and it reads as follows. Even though the fig trees are all destroyed and there is neither bloom left nor fruit, though the olive crops all fail and the fields lie barren, even if the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, which is what we heard uh, said today by this interview, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be happy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will give me the speed of a deer and bring me safely over the mountains. And today we want you to be encouraged, even as Melinda uh, shared with her testimony, the choice of intentionality that choose to have the joy of the Lord as we know, which is our strength as you work through your process and your challenge, even your cancer journey, that potentially tomorrow can be a better day. Percy, God bless you. Your ministry is making a real difference in people's lives, and I appreciate it. I know many people do, so thank you. Well, I'm grateful, and we continue to do what we need to do. So remember, you and I, we've got work to do. So let's keep chopping the wood. And join us next time for Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com.